Mom to Mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. Life isn't as smooth and happy as a Hallmark commercial. For some of us, tragedy arrives out of the blue, shattering every truth about God we thought we knew. Grief can come through divorce, death of a loved one, the loss of a secure job, or the loss of a spouse. So how do you find your rock in the midst of devastation? How do you find unshakable peace? Well, Danita Janae has walked the road of deep loss after suddenly losing her husband, Dan. She's a writer, speaker, artist, and prayer warrior. And in her new book, When Mountains Crumble, she shares a compelling message for the brokenhearted. And I believe her words will both inspire you and bring you hope today. So welcome to the Mom to Mom podcast, Anita. Thank you. Glad to be here, Miss Kate. <laughs> Can you tell us about your story and the very painful loss of your husband? Yeah. So we're a military family. We moved to... Nebraska was our last duty station before here. And while we were there, I experienced my second major health crisis. We were literally fighting for my life with prayer and fasting. We thought I might not make it. And during that time, that was when my husband and I really learned to wrestle with doubt. Is God good? Like (laughs) all of the really hard things uh, hit us very hard. And we learned to fast and pray in that season. And um, I'm really, I'm really grateful to say that God did a miracle and healed me. And then um, it was shortly after that, that we had our last military move to Colorado. He had one year left to retire. We had big Mm -hmm. dreams of what we were going to do. And he had ministry on his heart for after the air force. So three weeks after we got to town. So this is when we have no church family, no community yet, no school yet. Um, no home yet. We're still house hunting. We went on a hike as a family and it was so amazing because the desert was blooming. (laughs) Like I was able to walk with my family. That was something that I had not been able to do prior with my health. I couldn't lift a laundry basket or answer some yes, no questions. So the whole hike, I was like, honey, I'm alive and I'm hiking with you. Like I was so, it was just so amazing. We just thought, man, this is it. Like we're going to have a good season ahead of us. And then three weeks after that, so six weeks after arriving in town, my husband went on a hike. He is an avid 14er hiker. So that's the mountains in Colorado that are over 14,000 feet tall. And he'd hiked well over 30 of them. There's 50. So he was going to hit them all. He ended up going missing and didn't come home. So when that happened, that was definitely for our family, a literal mountains crumbling. Um, But it also was just such a symbol of how it feels when someone loses the one that they depend on the cornerstone in their life, you know, in our tangible everyday life. And, uh, yeah, that was definitely the day for our family that the mountains crumbled. And how long ago was that Danita? That was just a few years ago. So we're still in fresh grief, which is, um, Mm -hmm. a unique place to be when you're called to enter into it for others. Also, Mm -hmm. you don't enter into that without knowing if God's leading you into it. It's beautiful to have someone who has the hindsight in grief, but it's also beautiful to have someone who's in the thick of it with you, Mm. just maybe a step or two ahead of you who can say, Hey, I remember because that was last week. (laughs) Um, 
So there's just something unique about that. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you're speaking from not just the wound, but also to some extent, um, a scar that is slowly coming along, that's slowly healing, not that you'll ever be healed from your grief, but that you're kind of in the tension of both places still. Yeah. God's done so much healing and that's a supernatural thing. It's not like, Mm. it's not like time did it right. Like God himself has done so much healing. And I think that's one of the promises that we can hang on to is that, you know, grief actually doesn't have to last forever. Mm. I will always miss my husband. I will always wish he was still here, but the days of our sorrow will be ended. That's promised in Isaiah. And so I just have to trust that my life forevermore is not going to be under the heaviness and the oppression that we feel when we're in thick grief. So I'm so grateful Mm -hmm. that he is a God that can redeem anything. One thing I heard as I was listening to your story, and actually this is the first time I'm hearing it. So this is just my raw reaction. I heard two things and you can correct me if I'm wrong. One, grief is not linear. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, there's not one, one path that we all travel as we're grieving and you get to the end and then it's done. It sounds like it's been, you know, an up and down two steps forward, one step back. Um, The other thing that I heard was that perhaps the struggle from before helped build some of your trust and faith muscles so that you can say God was faithful then. So he will be faithful now. And you, it sounds to me as if some of those initial illnesses that you had experienced helped you learn that all the things you believe to be true about God really were true about God, which helped bolster you for this thing that you had no idea was going to, to be part of your story. Would you agree or say that's correct? Yeah, absolutely. Grief is definitely not linear. It is circular if you ask me. So you're going to kind of come back to things over the years and they'll be at different levels, different layers, different intensities, but you know, you might come back to the same memory even multiple times. And I believe each time God's going to bring more and more layers of healing. So definitely not linear. It's a trap to think it is. (laughs) And then um, absolutely. Yeah. Everything that our family has suffered, we've We have been through quite a lot of trials before this one, this tragedy, and we've been through a lot of loss. There was definitely uh, some training in that that happened as far as just me being able to trust God when I'm like, nothing in my circumstances are good right now. And you're saying that I lack no good thing. Let's talk about that. (laughs) So I had to really, we had to really fight some hard things prior. Of course, Mm -hmm. this was excruciating. Um, but it definitely, it all builds on itself. Every time you have to face a hard thing, it's another chance to either walk further away from God or lean in towards him more. You know, so often people say, well, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. That's just never true. I just, that drives me crazy when people say that, Mm -hmm. because I'm thinking, well, you've not gone through one of those seasons where you just don't know how to handle it but it causes you to lean on the Lord, to just press in to say, okay, this is what I know about you. I have to figure out how to make it true for my situation. Right, right. He'll never give us anything that he can't handle. I think that's the truth of the matter. So Danita, you as a wife were experiencing deep loss and grief, but at the same time, you were also a mother 
watching your children walk through very deep loss and grief, how did you help your children through that process? And how did you navigate losing your husband, Dan, for your kids who were at different ages and developmental stages and at different capacities to hold all of that grief and loss? Yeah, they, my kiddos are almost five years apart. So definitely different stages of life. We had also just moved. So we weren't just grieving, just grieving as if that was not enough, but we weren't, we, I don't know how to say that. We weren't grieving only my husband. We were also grieving. We had just lost all their friends, our familiar grocery stores, like, you know, every, our church family. So we, we had a lot that we had lost in, in one month. And my kiddos, not only are they different ages and developmental stages, but they also are extremely different personalities, totally different temperaments. And they had different ways that they needed to grieve. And that was a quick learning curve for me because I personally wanted to talk about him. I didn't want to, I didn't want to forget anything. I wanted to keep the memories. My way of coping with that initially was talk about him, talk about him. And it took me a minute to (laughs) a few minutes to realize that one of my kiddos, that was actually really triggering for her. She was still dealing with so much trauma in a way that she couldn't even talk about daddy. And so it was definitely like, okay, let's learn this fast and figure out who needs what. So with one daughter, she wanted to talk about him and we had to learn to kind of do that more privately so that it wouldn't trigger the other daughter who just actually physically, I think mentally, she just couldn't yet navigating all of that felt so i don't i don't know if there is an english word for it but it's it's definitely perplexing cuz not only are you trying to figure out all the things that changed inside of you you're also realizing that oh my kids just changed overnight too and their experience of the world just changed overnight and their experiences of the world changing are different <laughs> so even just acknowledging that was really helpful and realizing that everybody had changed overnight was helpful. Otherwise I would have kept trying to do, well, this was your love language before daddy died. So why aren't you feeling love now? Like even our love language has changed. So I just feel like talking about it in a space like this helps other people be like, oh yeah, maybe that's what's happening in our household. Right. I can imagine, you know, uh, before and after and everything must shift like a fault line in your life. And then to see your children experiencing that and have their own fault lines and shifts and probably will continue for years and years, you know, throughout their whole lifetimes have different experiences through different eyes because of the loss of their dad and just the other changes and losses that you had mentioned as well. You talk about how grief changes your identity you know, things like widow is just a temporary identity shared, but child of God is forever. Can you tell me more about that? And did you see your kids struggle with that too? Definitely. So I'll start with me personally, before I talk about the kiddos, it's a drastic thing to go from, I am a military spouse to now I am a military widow. I am a co-parent and now I'm a solo mom. Mm -hmm. I am a dependent to now I'm a primary Like just, these were all, every single time I was in a new situation where I realized, oh, that changed too. It just felt like a blow every time. So there's no way to minimize the losses that happen just in who we call ourselves on this earth. But something that did help was 
one, not minimizing and acknowledging that pain, but but two, realizing that all those identities were temporary, everything on this earth, it's temporary. You know, when we press into the reality that at the end of the day, I'm a citizen of heaven, I'm not a citizen of <laughs> whatever nation I am, I belong to, it changes our perspective. And so to be able to say, I am a child of God, and that will never change that gives us something to hold on to when everything else fell apart. So same with our kiddos. It was even within the first few days, like, are we still part of this family? And are we still a family? Is our last name the same? So those are huge identity questions that, you know, a four-year-old is asking. So definitely it affects, it affects you to the core. Processing that was difficult because there's a lot that I could assure them. Yes, we are still a family, but also, I was wondering the same thing too. Like, I feel like we were, you know, we, we all questioned the same things that our children questioned. So acknowledging that was part of the healing is saying some of it, I don't know, actually, I'm struggling with that too. Well, and like you mentioned that grief is not linear, it's circular. It's circular for them too, mm-hmm. that they'll go through seasons mm-hmm. where they're doing well. And then that grief, I imagine just can hit out of nowhere. Well, you mentioned a really beautiful concept in your book, When Mountains Crumble, that there's a difference in questioning God's plan for you and questioning his heart for you. I think that's just a wonderful thing to remind ourselves when we're going through anything that's difficult. But can you unwrap that a little bit for us? Yeah. I think that when we talk about God's plan, and that's something you were mentioning, some of the things people will just say, I think that's one of the things is, well, this is you know, God's plan. And I I always kind of wonder, well, (laughs) murder wasn't part of his original plan. Sickness, death, and cancer, those are not actually part of his original plan. His original plan was life and the garden. And it was, that was the original plan. And all these other things are part of the fallout, the consequences of sin, right? And disobedience. And it opened some doors that we're all still suffering from today. So I think the difficulty is when we say, when anything, it doesn't have to be a death. When anything we say, well, there's, there's a reason like, well, maybe the reason is because that man had free will and he decided to murder someone. That doesn't mean it was God's plan. (laughs) So I think separating God's sovereignty and free will is gosh, that's a massive thing to unpack. But I think the reality is at the end of the day, God's heart for us is the garden. His heart for us is to restore that peace, that joy, that purity and innocence that he originally planned for us. He restores that now when we say, God, may your kingdom come to earth. And then he's also planning to restore it fully when, you know, the enemy won't have any rain and he'll restore the earth. So knowing his heart for me has saved me from I mean, of course, I'm still going to do it because I'm human, but we blame God like, well, this is not, you know, why did you plan this? But I do think that understanding his heart for us is foundational in keeping our sanity. (laughs) It's foundational in keeping our faith and just the freedom to question the plan is beautiful. Like, hey, I don't get this. I don't like this. Uh, I have freedom to tell you that I don't like this. But uh, at the end of the day, wrestling to that point where we're like, but I trust that you're still good and that you still care about me, even though it doesn't feel like it to be able to say that is huge. Yeah, I agree. I think so often we fear bringing our real feelings to God as if he doesn't know them already, you know, and really 
the most faithful thing is to set all our true feelings, our deep wounds, our hurt, our anger against his character and say, God, I am disappointed. I am grief stricken, but I give it all to you, trusting that you can do what's best with it. That really is faith, acknowledging that he knows it already. And I love the fact that you shared, Danita, that death is not a part of his original plan. I think too often we say things like, well, you know, death is natural. It is not. It is the most unnatural thing according to, you know, his original design. So thank you for bringing that to our attention. Excuse me for interrupting for just a second, mamas, to remind you that summer is just around the corner and with it comes looser and breezier schedules. I don't know about your kids, but in summer, my tweens and teens spend endless amounts of time at friends' homes, working at part-time jobs, or just playing basketball down the street at the neighborhood hoop. I'm not always with them in summer, but I can always be available because of the Gab phone. Have you heard of the Gab phone? It's a dumb phone that looks and feels like a smartphone. My tweens and teens can call, they can text, and they can get a hold of me whenever and wherever they need to. But I can have peace of mind knowing that they don't have access to the internet, and the shady internet doesn't have access to them. In honor of summer and for a limited time, all Gab phones and Gab watches are $50 off. So now's the best time to snag one. Head on over to gabwireless.com and use coupon code mom to mom at checkout. That's G-A-B-B wireless.com. Coupon code mom to mom in all capital letters to get one at $50 off. I think grief can bring out the worst in us sometimes. <laughs> I know that it has in my life in the, the small bits of grief that I've experienced. How do you keep it together in front of your kids and yet still remain, you know, a godly example and a leader for them in crisis and even more so now, you know, bringing it to us here on this show and being willing to hold that out to the rest of the world, walking it out in real time in front of all of us with so much hope and um, dare I say it, even peace. Yeah, for sure. The kind that's unexplainable, right? <laughs> the, piece, right. The, the piece that can't be explained. Um, yeah. So I think for a lot of moms, we really struggle with this, whether we're in the thick of a, a grief or a crisis or not, but I actually don't try to keep it together. And I think that keeping it together and remaining a godly example and leader are not the same thing. So I think of David often, how he didn't keep it together <laughs> at all, but he was not only a man after God's own heart, he was also a military and a political leader. He was a king and he didn't you know, put on a mask or pretend that he had it together. And I think that's an honesty in leadership that what people are creating for, like, give me somebody who isn't pretending that they have it together. Give me someone who is honest that they don't. And let's talk through, you know, where we go from there. And so one of the things that I did have to learn was that I couldn't weep like the heavy weeping. I definitely cried in front of my kids, but a lot of the heavy weeping and the wailing 
that I kept for closed doors. That was way too much for my, you know, my kiddos don't, they can't, they don't need to carry that also. So I did have to figure out some boundary lines of what is a private lament and what is me crying at the kitchen? And the girls are like, you miss daddy. And I'm like, yeah, I miss daddy. So being able to be honest with them about my own process, I just, I'm going to have to trust that God will redeem whatever I've done wrong because, <laughs> you know, there, I don't have any other choices. We just try to get through each day as, as honestly and as courageously as we can, even when that courage is just to get to the grocery store or to figure out dinner. So, so much grace. And I think it's important that you model grief in front of them. Otherwise, what are they left to do with their own grief if they're not shown how to grieve and how, you know, what the healing process really does look like? You know, they might be tempted to stuff all of that grief themselves thinking, well, mom isn't grieving. She's not crying. Right. I think you made a really interesting point that the world is craving just honesty in our leadership. The fact that we can look out and see somebody, not just they're wearing their Sunday face, but their Monday face. That's the face we really want to see. Mm -hmm. And I can see that in you. How do you handle the mom guilt? And maybe regrets when grief takes it to a whole nother level. And, and with that, you know, you had mentioned solo parenting, and that's a, a really new term to me, but you have kind of opened my eyes to see perhaps the difference between solo parenting and single parenting. I'm wondering if you can just kind of define that and clarify that for listeners who maybe haven't ever thought of the differences between those two terms. So to answer your first question, the dealing with the mom guilt and the regrets, that's, that's something all of us mamas have to deal with no matter what our story is and no matter how we got to where we're at today. So that's definitely what I'll focus on. And I think that for me, it goes back to that honesty. So confessing with, to my kids, like, Hey, I totally just messed up there. And I'll be honest when I like, Hey, I just got really frustrated or really mad. And I directed that at you. And I am so sorry. And I just really, I just pointed out my flaws to my kids so that they can see the difference between their heavenly father that loves perfectly and their mama, who's just doing the best she can. So for me, just the freedom to say, kiddos, I am so sorry. And what I did was wrong. Um, that gives me permission to just do the best I can. It gives my kids permission to do the best they can. It doesn't put up this false front of, oh, mama's perfect. So I'm going to have to be perfect because honestly, none of us are. And we can't even, I haven't even had the choice of like trying to pretend that I've got it together. Like I haven't even been in a position to ever pretend that. So the honesty and the confession. And lost or not, we all need that permission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then um, kind of alluded to this before, but just uh, the grace for myself, like, okay, I've just asked my kiddos to forgive me, but like, we can carry that regret of things we've said or done wrong or decisions that we were, you know, we were trying to do our best job, but looking back, we're like, dang it. (laughs) Sorry that I just said that, but it's just like, oh, we just think, man, I could have done that one better at that point. One, I have to have grace for myself. And two, I have had to lean 
deeply into the fact that God can redeem anything. Mm -hmm. And so I have asked him to redeem, you know, bonds with my kids. I've asked him to redeem memories that we have. I've asked him to redeem mistakes I have made. I've asked him to redeem trauma that I had no control over that we were exposed to. And I just praise him that he is this safety net for moms. And he promises to gently lead those with young. And he promises that all of our children will be taught by the Lord and great will be their peace. And so I just, I just have to stand on those things and pray them almost daily. I I pray those, those two things over my kids while we're going to school. Cause I'm like, God, you have to be their teacher and actually you have to be their father. And actually you have to be, you know, their everything. And so for them to be able to see the difference of I'm a picture of that on earth, just like my husband was a picture of Jesus for our family, but I'm not it. And God really is it. And so I think when we do mess up, it helps them understand that difference. When people experience loss or trauma of some kind, they're often operating in just a fog. And you call this grief brain. So how do you continue to carry on with all your responsibilities at home and work and as a mom when you have no clarity of thought? How do you how do you navigate that as a parent? Yeah, so I had severe postpartum depression and experienced a mama brain on steroids. <laughs> so that experience is very similar to grief brain. And so any mama who is listening that's struggling with postpartum or mama brain, it's a very similar experience. You know, you're brushing your teeth with your face lotion and you're putting your deodorant on your face because you think it's your face sick and you're, you know, all the things. A friend of mine told me that grief brain is proof that your brain is fully functioning because it's proof that your brain is working overdrive to figure out, trying to make sense of the trauma, trying to make sense of the loss, trying to make sense of what just happened. Sometimes that's hormonal, just your hormones have (laughs) shot your brain in half. (laughs) And so I believe that when those things happen, a best response is honestly laughter. Like when you've put the milk away in the pantry and the cereal is in the fridge, like that's just hilarious. Like there's no other way to go around that. We could beat ourselves up, I guess, but I think at the end of the day, I like to just laugh about it and just acknowledge that this is where we're at and then ask God again, you know, help me out or deem it. Please don't let me drive through a red light. (laughs) You know, all those kind of things that our, our brains are trying to do on automatic while the rest of our heart is overdrive, trying to understand what happened. Mm -hmm. I imagine that in those times of grief fog, you can't do things at the same caliber as you used to do them, or you would like to do them. There has to be some measure of, for lack of a better way to term it, lowering expectations. What does that look like for you? Not just in your grief fog, but as you're maybe coming out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Lowering expectations is a good term for it because I don't know what else you would say. So we switched to paper plates. We switched to frozen meals. I had to bite the bullet and, you know, pay the extra cost for frozen meals because otherwise there wasn't going to be dinner. And so at least for our family. So it was just anything that, that I could do to reduce stress on both me and my kids in a crisis season was a win. And, you know, a friend of mine, I like how she handled it. She doesn't ask her kids to fold her laundry anymore. She's, she is also a, she's a police force widow. And she's like, listen, just as long as your clothes are clean, I don't care if they always remain in the basket. Like she just lowered expectations. And I thought that was a good example. 
because we have to realize that not only are we in crisis mode, but our kids are also, and we wouldn't expect certain things of someone who is feeling in their body because kind of with trauma, you feel like a bear is chasing you. And the problem is even when the bear isn't there anymore, trauma keeps you stuck in that zone. So you feel like the bear is continually chasing you every day. And so, you know, who cares about laundry if a bear is after your heart? So I think that even with school for us, especially in the beginning, just my goal was not that they were going to be acing anything that year. It was going to be that they could go to school and know that they were safe, separated from mommy. That was huge. That was all I was asking them to do was on those days, acknowledging that their courage to be there was massive. And that outweighed any other performance or, you know, any type of thing that they could do in school. So that said, mental health days, if we need them, our kids do too. And I wish that I had given them even more than I did. But I just really believe that that's a good way we can lower expectations is if they're saying like, hey, I like really can't do this. They probably really can't. And if I'm having a day where I can't do it, they're certainly allowed to have a day like that too, or, you know, days, multiple, many. I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, well, some of those things are very tangible, practical things that maybe you don't necessarily have to do, but someone can do on your behalf. Can you speak to those of us who maybe haven't experienced such tragic loss or trauma but would like to walk alongside our friends who are in the midst of that. And we'd like to walk along well, do things that are helpful and not harmful, be a blessing and not a burden. How can we as a friend help another friend who's experiencing some great loss in their lives? Yeah. I love that you're asking that because just, I think so many of us want to help, but we feel so helpless. And so Mm. sometimes we don't step in because we don't, we personally feel so helpless just thinking about the situation or we don't want to say the wrong thing. And so we don't say anything. And so I think that what I'm learning and actually the ministry of your presence in their life cannot be underestimated. So you showing up, you sending the text, Mm -hmm. dropping something off at the door, just being present in someone's life could be the difference between, I literally have no one that cares about me or, oh yeah, this person cares about me. That ministry of presence cannot be underestimated. And then there are some practical things. I actually have a a whole guide on how to help your grieving friend. And it is packed full of like what to say, what not to say, practical ideas, how to kind of manage helping with food, all that kind of stuff. Um, And that's available at whenmountainscrumble.com. But something else that's another practical way that it can help is remembering certain dates because Christmas, Valentine's, those are on all of our minds. Like, okay, that might be a hard day for this family, but asking them and keeping it in your phone and having it set on a reminder, like forever for 18 years from now, reach back on the week of the, of the loss, the day that their person died or the day that their child passed away for, for infant or perinatal loss, it's also kind of two dates because it's the day they lost the baby. And it's also the day that the baby was due. And so remembering those dates, oh, those aren't on everybody's calendar, but if they're on your calendar and you remember to reach out, even if you don't say anything besides, I love you, 
I'm thinking of you. Like (laughs) that's the difference between a hard day and a black hole by yourself and like, oh yeah, you know, I'm not alone. It's huge. And it's, it's easy to do. It's easy to add that in your phone. That's such an important thing to do. And I think sometimes just to go grieve with someone, just sit with them and cry, let them cry and not necessarily have advice that you think, you know, you'll get past Mm -hmm. this and this, you know, God doesn't give you more than you can handle just to sit and be there, be that presence for them. Yeah. So what are some ways, Danita, that we can pray for our grieving children when we're in the thick of a crisis ourselves? Yeah. So crisis definitely changes your prayer life, doesn't it? Like it changes how we pray, it changes our ability to read the word. It changes everything. So I would like to give you some eloquent answers and scriptures to pray, but my honest answer is you can barely write your name when you're in crisis. <laughs> when you're in the thick of trauma, like you honestly, I have had experiences where people asked what my name was and I struggled to respond. So mm. I think we break things down really small and we think, okay, my tears are prayers. My groanings are prayers and just calling out Jesus, just saying, help me just asking why. Like those are prayers. They open the door Mm -hmm. to let the comforter rush in. And he's so able to do what he needs to do. So when we just call on his name, when we just say Jesus, he's there and present over our kids. So yes, there's so many scriptures that I love to pray over my kiddos, but when you can't think straight and you feel fear and terror through your body because of trauma, Sometimes all we can say is Jesus. And what a powerful name that is. Mm -hmm. And remember, if you're listening, that the spirit goes before you with great groanings Mm -hmm. to pray on your behalf when you don't even have the words to pray. Danita, thank you so much for your honesty, your transparency today. I know our audience is going to be moved by your testimony and they're going to find great comfort in your words. What are some ways that they can find you? Because I know they're going to want to know more about you. Yeah. Thank you, Miss Kate. I'm glad to be here. So whenmountainscrumble.com, I have a lot of resources on there that are just free resources to get into their hands, even like gift guides for grieving friends or for yourself and a, a guide through just understanding grief that's illustrated so that it's like easier to understand in a quick, quick way. So definitely I would love to get that into their hands when mountainscrumble.com. And then the book that I've just written, really, I wrote it out of my own isolation because I wanted authentic, emotionally intelligent questions to think about instead of just how are you? Because that felt like super daunting question to answer. So that book, I really have designed it as like, and I say, I, but I just know that it was the Lord's desire to have a resource that felt like a companion through it. Someone to ask you questions and give you space to think it over. Mm. And then I'm on Instagram at companion and sorrow or at Danita Janae. I'm just beginning to build companion and sorrow, but it's going to be just grief focused and just packed with some support and just kind of refreshing different ways to think through our losses. So that's just beginning, but it's in the works and it'll be good. And we'll put some links to all of those things in the show notes. And I do encourage you to follow Danita, to find her on the web, to find her on social media and follow her journey. Well, speaking of journey, the journey of grief can overwhelm and blind us to the hope we have in Christ, who's the only safe place to put our hope. 
But with his help, we can learn to walk side by side with loss, knowing that no matter what, he is our guide, our comforter, and our peace. He's the only one that can turn our ashes into beauty. He gives us the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of that spirit of despair. So let this scripture from Isaiah 5410 bring you some solace and peace today. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. We are so grateful you took time to listen to this episode. We know that you have many places that you can choose from to listen to podcasts, and we are so grateful that you chose ours. And if you have a woman in your life who's experiencing grief and loss, please consider sharing this episode with her. I know it's going to bless her. If her mountain has crumbled, we believe it will really bring her hope. And just a reminder, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and we'd be so honored if you'd subscribe to, like, and follow our podcast. Thank you, Danita, and thank you so much, everyone, for listening today. 